So the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning emphasizes the angelic announcement to Mary that Mary is going to give birth. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at the portion of Scripture that I quoted to the children this morning. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to be starting at verse 26. The theme is Mary's response to the angel's message that she is going to have a baby. There's a threefold movement in this text. There are three distinct speeches, if you will, or addresses that the angel makes to Mary and three responses to those addresses. So, the angel speaks. We have Mary's response. The angel speaks a second time. We have Mary's second response. And then the angel speaks a third time. And we have Mary's third response. So, the first time the angel speaks, the angel addresses Mary. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke 1, verse 26. And it reads, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We are introduced to the angel, but apparently Mary is not. We are introduced to the time of his coming. It says that it's in the sixth month that he comes. The sixth month is referring to the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy. If you notice Luke one thirty six, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her. So the angel Gabriel is sent to Mary... In the sixth month of Elizabeth's <coughs> Pardon me, you're going to have to bear with me. I'm actually pretty much over this cold, but it's in my throat and... <coughs> <laughs> you people are thoughtful before you walk up with a a, a coat a, a, a cough drop i'm I'm eating them like crazy, so uh, <clears throat> there's not much more I can do, I'm afraid. But uh, we also are introduced to the fact of Gabriel's coming. Luke one twenty six tells us that this angel's name is Gabriel. Gabriel is the same angel that was sent to Zacharias to tell him about the birth of John the Baptist. And Gabriel is the same angel that appears to Daniel back in Daniel chapter 9, explaining to Daniel the vision that he had. So Gabriel is this unique messenger of God. We are introduced to the impetus of the angel's coming. That is, that he was sent from God, verse 26. 
the uh, place of the angels coming to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. And we are introduced to the recipient of the angels coming, that is to Mary. And we are told that the angel came to a virgin, verse 27, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And then again, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mary is identified three times in this passage as a virgin. Twice in verse 27. And uh, then again in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? We are told that the angel came to a virgin that was about to be married. In verse 27, she was a spouse to a man and the man's name was Joseph. And we're told of her lineage, of the descendants of David, verse 27. And we are introduced to the manner of the angel's coming. Verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. It would seem as though this angel came unto Mary in a normative way. I say that because if you were to look at Luke chapter 1, as Zacharias is ministering in uh, the temple, it says concerning him that the angel of the Lord Gabriel appeared to him. And the word there means just to, like, show up. That, that uh, all of a sudden, as Zacharias is ministering, there is Gabriel next to him. He just appears. But not so with Mary. Here the angel comes unto her, uh, probably walks in, just as anyone else would walk in. So there's nothing unique in the coming of this angel as far as Mary is able to ascertain. In fact, I see no reason even in the text for her to suspect that this is an angel at this point. She is receiving an individual that I believe she thinks is a man that has come to talk to her. And we find out the address. Verse 28. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And then verse 28. Uh, Blessed art thou among women. So Mary's response Mary's initial response is one of being speechless. She's speechless. She doesn't say a thing. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering or considering in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. Mary's response is one of confusion. It says that she was troubled at this statement. Now, notice she's not troubled at the coming of the angel. Uh, others are going to be troubled at the coming of the angel, such as the, the shepherds, because he comes in such a unique way. But she's not startled by the presence of this angel. 
Rather, she is startled by what he has to say. Uh, she's confused by it, would be a good translation. She doesn't get the point of what is being said. Why is she being addressed as highly favored? What does it mean that the Lord is with her? And why would he say that she is most blessed among all women? There's those thoughts that are preoccupying Mary's mind. So the angel speaks a second time. And the angel announces that Mary will have a child. Verses 30 to 34. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. In these next few weeks, I'm going to be jumping back and forth between the King James and the New American Standard. Because I have these passages memorized in the King James. And so I'll be going back and forth. But the angel speaks. And the angel begins by calming her fears. Verse 30. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. The angel only has comforting words. For you have found favor with God. I'm here on good business, he says. Uh, you have found favor with God. And uh, that favor is going to be manifest in verse 31. You're, behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you call his name Jesus. So the good news is she's going to have a child. She's going to have a male child. You'll bear a son. And she's told the child's name. He will be called Jesus. Then she's told the role of the child. Mary is told the child will be great. Verse 32. He shall be great. Mary is told the child will be the son of God. Verse 32, and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary is told that the child will reign over the house uh, of his father David. Verse 32, the Lord will give unto him the throne of his father David. And Mary is told that there will be no end to the child's reign. And his kingdom will have no end. That's a lot to take in. At one shot. Can't imagine what it would be like to be this young woman. An angel is telling her all these things. Mary's response. She speaks and she is skeptical. Those verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Out of all these things, Mary's focus is on one thing. How can I have a child? Everything that is said about this child seems to go over her head. And you can understand that, I think. You can understand how it's going to be enough to take in that she's going to have a baby. Let alone what this baby is going to do and what this baby is going to accomplish. And all the significance of this baby. Her mind centers in on one question. And that is, how can that be? How can that be? Verse 
34. Seeing that I know not a man. A euphemism for having no sexual relationship to a man. How can I have a baby without ever having had a sexual relationship with a man? You can understand why she would question that, why she would ponder that. (coughs) The question is a logical one. In fact, the question is so logical that we'd be amazed if she didn't ask it. And the question is so logical that it has been the focus on the birth of Jesus Christ for all the centuries that have come thereafter. If you think about the Christmas story, one of the main elements that the world knows about is that Jesus is born of a virgin. And the response of the world to that teaching is Mary's response. How can that be? How can that be possible? How can a virgin conceive and bear a child? So the angel speaks a third time and answers Mary's question or skepticism. So you have the address. And then you have the announcement, and then you have the answer. And the angel speaks and answers Mary's question as to how a virgin will have a child. First, in explaining the virgin birth, the angel explains God, how God will become, uh, how uh, Mary will be, become pregnant by God's power. Notice verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. That phrase is not unique to Mary. That phrase is found in numerous places in the Scripture. The Holy Spirit coming upon people. Uh, One of the most notable places is that the Holy Spirit would come upon Samson. And as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson, Samson had superhuman strength. And could do things that no other human being could do. Hulk Hogan could not hold a candle to Samson. And what Samson could do, because he had supernatural strength. He had a God-given strength as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Moses prophesied as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And so, Moses knew things. That no one could humanly know by their own thought process, by their own abilities. It required a supernatural working of God. And this supernatural working of God is spoken of as the Holy Spirit coming upon Moses. And we can look at numerous examples in the scripture of the Holy Spirit coming upon people. And in the New Testament, we find out on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, and they speak in tongues. And so they're given this superhuman ability to speak languages that they had not uh, learned uh, in a human way. But God just imparted to them the knowledge to speak languages. So here is a normative way of saying that God is going to enable you to do 
what, humanly speaking, you could not do. What, humanly speaking, Samson could not do. What, humanly speaking, Moses could not do. What, humanly speaking, the disciples could not do. And what, humanly speaking, Mary, you could not do. It's going to be accomplished by the power of God. The second thing that the angel says is that the virgin birth will be accomplished by the unique manifestation of God's presence. For notice in verse 35, the angel said unto her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then secondly, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This word, to overshadow, referring to the power of the Holy Spirit, that He will overshadow you. This word is used in two primary instances. First, is on the Mount of Transfiguration. In Matthew 17, 5, it says, While He was speaking, that is, Jesus, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. (coughs) So this bright cloud appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, and God spoke out of that cloud. In the Old Testament, we encounter the cloud repeatedly. It is the cloud that led the children of Israel by day and the pillar of fire by night. And if you remember, that uh, cloud would come to rest on the top of of the tabernacle. And when that cloud rested on the top of the tabernacle, uh, it is referred to as the Shekinah glory, uh, not just when it rested on top of the tabernacle, but the cloud itself always is referred to the Shekinah glory, the, the glory of the presence of God. It was the manifestation of God's presence, a localized representation of the presence of God. And they would see this cloud And Moses would enter the tabernacle in order to speak with God. Mary is told that that same cloud that had dwelt upon the tabernacle, that same cloud that was going to appear in the uh, transfiguration is going to be present in the womb of Mary. And notice what it says in Luke one thirty six. Uh, excuse me, in uh, Luke one. <coughs> and the power of the highest will overshadow thee. <coughs> also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. (laughs) Son of God, because God's presence is uniquely manifested 
in the person of Jesus Christ. In uh, the book of Colossians, it says, For in him, that is in Christ, dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In John 1.14, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the Father, uh, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the very embodiment of God. That's the explanation that Mary gives. And it's the significance. For notice, at the end of verse 35, it says, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is holy. This is good. This is not corrupting. This is not defiling. This is a good and holy thing. And he will be uniquely the Son of God. For he will have no human father. That is the point. This is God's working. This is God's doing. Secondly, in explaining the virgin birth, the angel explains that it is not unusual for God to do unique things. Verse 36. And behold, even your relative, or your cousin Elizabeth, (coughs) has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. (coughs) Her own cousin, Elizabeth, who knows Mary very well, um, Elizabeth very well, Elizabeth is well beyond her childbearing years. She is barren. She's unable to produce. And yet, she's going to give a child, bring forth a child, and it's going to be John the Baptist. And so, to help Mary understand, he, the angel says, look at Elizabeth. She's six months pregnant. She's showing You can see that she's pregnant. Uh, Mary is not pregnant yet. Certainly doesn't feel pregnant. She isn't pregnant. And says, but look at Mary. Excuse me. Look at Elizabeth. She's showing. She's having a child by the power of God. Verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. Um. One's response to the virgin birth is very interesting. For on the one hand, we can readily understand why people would have a hard time accepting it. How can a virgin bear a child? The ultimate answer is, well, it's by the power of God. And for some, that would be very, very uh, unhelpful. Doesn't resolve many questions in their mind at all. I have to admit to you, <clears throat> I must have a very simple mind. Because uh, it's never been hard for me to accept the virgin birth. 
But not only do I have a simple mind, I think in some ways I have a gift of faith. It just, it just never bothered me. But more importantly, I have come to understand that it's not inconsistent with God. It really comes down to verse 37. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Long before I believed in the virgin birth, I believed that God created the heavens and the earth. I believed that God had formed man out of the dust of the earth. If God can form man out of the dust of the earth and breathe into his body a spirit, you can believe in the virgin birth. I mean, at least in the virgin birth you have half the natural process. At least you have a woman going through the natural process of birth. In the creation of Adam and Eve, you don't have even the beginning of a natural process. You have God forming man out of the dust of the earth and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. In the creation of the world, we don't even get to start with dust. But God merely spoke and this world came into existence. And God made out of nothing all that we see. That is the emphasis of John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light came to dwell among us. God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. The Creator of the heavens and the earth can cause a virgin to conceive. And he did. And he did. So what is Mary's response to that message of the angel? Well, it's submission. Notice verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. <clears throat> Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So first of all, she submits. Verse 38. He said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Uh, New American Standard. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. At the heart of the slave analogy is to do the bidding or the will of the master. Thus, Mary is the servant of God by performing his desire for her. Mary's response is, I am willing. I am willing. Hold on to me. It's almost blasphemous, but people say blasphemous things. People say blasphemous things. I hope you know that. And uh, sometimes even this passage is representative, represented in, in, in uh, blasphemous ways. So let me, let me tell you what did not happen here. Mary was not raped. There, there's no physical connotation at all in this passage, number one. And number two is Mary consents. 
to giving birth to Jesus. That's what is said when she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She's saying, If this is God's will for my life, I'm willing to do it. Mary gives permission, which is interesting in the whole light of the, of the sovereign purpose and working of God. She grants permission to be used in this way. Notice that she goes on to say, Be it unto me according to thy word. Mary's response is one of belief. She believes that this is going to happen. She believes that this is going to take place. She believes that what God has said is going to come to fruition. Look down with me at Luke chapter 1, verse 45. In verses 39 and following, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth to see her cousin. Because she's anticipating, you know, seeing this woman that's with, with her baby and sharing with her all that Gabriel said. And Elizabeth can understand because Gabriel had spoken to Zacharias and all this kind of stuff. So it's all pretty neat of how God accommodates Mary. But notice verse 45. This is Elizabeth speaking to Mary. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Uh, Mary, you're blessed because you have believed. You are blessed because you have believed. I want you to think about that for a moment. Blessed because you have, you have believed. Is this saying, Mary, you are blessed as a result of having believed? Or is this verse saying, Mary, you are blessed for you have believed? Remember the greeting. The angel comes in and says, Hail thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. You're blessed. God is with you. She had done nothing. You are highly favored of God. God has chosen to do an incredible thing in your life. And God has blessed you in an incredible way so that you are exalted above all women. And we can look at that and say, well, sure she is, because she is the mother of God. As some like to use that phrase. She is the one that gives a virgin birth. But I would say to you, there's, there's even more to it than that. And she is also favored in the way that she believes. For notice, verse 35 is the only explanation that she gets for how she's going to bear a child. And then the illustration of Elizabeth in verse 36. One would just have to page back a page in your, your Bible to the same chapter. 
when Zacharias is told that that Elizabeth is going to have a child, he says, well, what sign do I get? And God says, well, I'll give you a sign. You can't speak until the, cha- the baby's born. Uh, it's a reproof. What, what proof do I have? Do you remember what happens when Sarah is told that she's going to have a, a child when she is of past childbearing years? What does she do? She laughs. She laughs. Mary does not laugh. And almost incomprehensibly, Mary does not ask for a single sign. She doesn't ask for some kind of proof that this is going to take place. The angel offers Elizabeth as a sign, if you will, but she didn't even seek that. She just simply said, how can this be? And when the angel says, nothing is impossible with God, she says, okay. Be it unto me according to thy word. I am your servant. I will do what you want. Uh, This is a part of God's favor to Mary and a large part of God's favor to us as we hear of the virgin birth and we believe. So it's more than just being simple-minded. In actuality, it's more than just having a gift of faith in a general sense. But it is a great blessing of God when you can read these accounts and be able to see the greatness of the Creator and humbly say, yes, this is what God does. This is what God has accomplished. This virgin gave birth. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it to me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Conclusion. First, we learn in this passage the certainty that God will perform his promises since nothing is impossible with God. All of these things. Being born of God, ruling over the house of Jacob forever. All of these attestations of what Jesus is going to do is going to be done by the power of God. Secondly, the importance of Mary's submission to the plan and will of God. Can't understand that and can't explain that fully enough. That this simple statement in verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, puts this whole passage into an entirely different light. I tell you, there are wicked people. Uh, They are that. There are wicked people that like to turn this passage on its head and make God somehow an ogre for what this passage is teaching. And verse 38 just flies in contradiction with any of those attempts. How important it is for us when we know the mind and will of God that we uh, submit to that will of God. One of the things that we're going to be stressing these next three weeks is that uh, Jesus means Savior. And He came to save His people from their sins. 
And so, one of the ways that we need to submit to this gospel message is to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. To say, yes, there was no other way for us to be saved than God sending forth His Son. That is the means by which we can have eternal life. Uh, And believe that and submit to that, trust that, appropriate it. And then our reaction to the virgin birth. Initially, how hard it is to believe. And then, subsequently, how easy it is to believe. For with God, nothing is impossible. And when you understand that, you understand the essence of the virgin birth. For the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Let's pray. Our Father, help us in our reflection on uh, the Christmas story to appreciate the message of the virgin birth of this woman who never had any sexual relationship to a human being is able to bear a son because this son is unique. In Him is the very presence of God. In Him is life everlasting. In Him there is forgiveness of sin. We thank You for this great truth. And I pray that as we meditate, as we muse upon it, as we reflect, that we would give great honor and glory and praise to You. And it would also serve to ease our doubts and disbelief in other facets of the Word of God, or help us simply to understand that with God, nothing is impossible. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to this power that works in us, we give you praise and honor and glory and praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.